Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. Join Alex and Tracy as they discuss the influential children's book writer, Beverly Cleary. Listen as they talk about their favorite books by her, toothpaste, wigs, and bad accents. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. Um, I'm Tracy. And I'm Alex, the Information Services Director. And today we are going to talk about, um, well, full disclosure, we were going to ha- we were going to record this podcast a couple of years ago, and then we forgot. So pretend, if you will, that it's March of 2021, and the wonderful Beverly Cleary has just died. At age 104, which I did not realize yes. until I was, you know, doing some last minute research this morning. She lived a long life. She did. Um, and as you know, she had obviously longevity, which is why we waited two years to do the, I don't know. In, her, in the spirit of her long life, <laughs> we waited a long time to right. do the podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. That works for me. Um, I, I too did some um, last minute reading about her yesterday. And as, as if she couldn't get more adorable, her, her, um, her name at birth was Beverly Bunn, B-U-N-N. Oh. Is that the cutest name for a lady who's going to be a children's librarian and then a beloved author? It is the cutest name. I, Although she replaced it with a pretty cute name. Cleary is, Beverly Cleary I mean, is very, very cute. But Beverly Bunn Cleary, <laughs> or just Beverly Bunn. That's a, it sounds like a character in the book. It does. Who would like own a bakery, and she would yes. be so delightful. But she would um, have a daughter or somebody or a niece who got into scrapes and did mischief things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She would be Ramona-esque. Absolutely. Sure. I think all of her characters are actually a little, they got a little scrappy Ramona yeah. in them somewhere, <laughs> which I'm going to guess is in our friend Beverly Bunn Cleary's self as well. I think so because I was reading and she decided to write children's books because when she was a children's librarian she was not very impressed with what was available for children. She thought that they weren't you know very nobody could relate to them. Right. They weren't they actually were not realistic. Yes. Yes. I think um, maybe in uh, most of the children's books she had available to uh, um, recommend to her patrons were the kind of books where children behave. Yeah. And as children um, don't behave a lot of the time, you know, kind of being able to regulate yourself and your emotions is a big part of growing up. Those moments when, you know, they cut up. That's fun to read about. That's the best part. Uh, Because I remember, I think, you know, I read one of the reviewers was saying that when you are at the age to read her children's books, it's very true to what you are experiencing. And that's, of course, what I found mm-hmm. when I was reading it. Because I read it when I was about Ramona's age um, in the first few books, like, you know, kindergarten and on. Um, and I just remember connecting with her so strongly because you want to be good all the time. And people tell you that you're supposed to be good all the mm-hmm. time and you're never supposed to mess up. But 
that's not real. You have these big feelings all the time. You always have these weird child genius ideas where you're like, this is going to be great. Right. Like, you know, when she wears her pajamas under her clothes to class mm-hmm. and she is just sweating to death. She's so hot <laughs> because she has these. She's like, I'm going to be like a firefighter and show people my cool pajamas. And she so she wears her like wool pajamas underneath her clothes mm-hmm. and she is dying and she's like I can't tell the teacher because I'm gonna get in trouble which when you're a kid it feels like everything sort of dumb that you've done you're gonna get in trouble for even though who would what would what what rule could she have broken you know she's Mm -hmm. just wearing her clothes at school she's just being weird yeah Um, but eventually she does tell the teacher and she gets some relief she gets to take them off and she is just so relieved she's just so excited that she doesn't have to wear her pajamas anymore and it reminded me of the time that I thought it would be a good idea to wear a wig that I received to for Christmas to church <laughs> how old were you I think I was probably eight. Oh and my gosh not only that um I put on a fake British accent and I pretended to be my own cousin from England. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What was your name? Do you remember? It was Elizabeth because I remember my cousin's middle name is Elizabeth and I just thought it was beautiful and I loved that name. So I put on this wig and I'm sure I put it on so totally wrong because I was eight and I didn't know how wigs went. Yeah. But oh my gosh, I fooled no one. But I remember thinking... This is a great idea, you know? I yeah. just was like, this is going to be, everyone's going to be fooled. I was very confident. Like Ramona, you know, Ramona's like Absolutely. that. Everything she comes up with is like the best idea. And yeah, it just reminds me of those stupid things that you do as a kid that seem like the best day in the world. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever watch the Patty Duke show? I have not. Okay. I'm because unfamiliar. the plot of that is that Patty um is this cool teenager yeah. in New Jersey and she has an identical cousin named P- Kathy who's from England <laughs> oh my gosh and she comes to live with them and go to school um and the way you can tell them apart is that uh Kathy's hair is a bob that goes yeah. under and Patty's hair is a bob that flips out so if you're if you can't figure it out by the accent, ah, the hair is always the way to tell. <laughs> I'm sure that's what got people. I'm sure it wasn't my terrible eight year old <laughs> British accent or for someone I who's taken it. in very little British media at that point in my life. I, you know what? I don't. I wonder <sighs> if that is just a a thing. When I was little, my cousins and I, when we all got together, would um, do these fake talk shows. Yeah, and. I love to be the host, and I had what's probably the most atrocious <laughs> British accent also. I don't think it was anything near a British yeah. accent. I think it was probably like just like, oh, there's something wrong with you. Um, <laughs> you know, you are something, something is not quite uh, working in your, in your brain. Um, it just seems like the thing to do. Yeah. You know, it just seems, and you just go with it. Like I mean, when you're a kid, honestly, it's a great idea. It is. And let me tell you, that wig was the best present I ever got. I wore that thing all the time. I loved it so much. What it kind was of such wig a good, was it? It was a full-blown wig. My uncle used to do hair. I mean, like, was it long it was and blonde? long and blonde. It had bangs. Okay. Ooh. It was a full-on. <laughs> I remember, like, wearing it around like nobody's going to know. And I'm sure, again, like, one time. Flipping it back. <laughs> look, I was, I was hot. I had it together with my wig. Uh, one time I fell asleep with it in my bed. <laughs> my aunt came in because <laughs> she was like doing something over at our house and she thought that I had a friend over. <laughs> oh my God. It was like, touch it. <laughs> 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 
Oh, oh my god, I love so, it. I don't know what happened to it. I'm sure it turned into one big tangle. Yeah. <laughs> we just threw it out. But it was. I know yeah. what to get you for Christmas. Oh my gosh, please get me a wig. I would be so excited. You know what? I actually did um, after, the, um, I was about to call it Thanksgiving, uh, after Halloween, when things get to like 50% is yeah. not enough for me. When things go to 90%, yes. I will buy literally anything <laughs> that is a costume because you, yes. know, you never know. So I do have a long blonde wig, and I, I've never. Uh, wanted to be blonde and putting this on confirms that yeah. it's it's not for me um but i do have i'll have to show you i have this picture uh, i'm wearing the long um blonde wig and i have a witch nose on and it's horrifying it's 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 hilarious you know <laughs> do people do other people just like dress up in their houses to amuse themselves they have to it can't that's the thing like everybody thinks that their weird things are just their weird things everybody yeah. does weird stuff yeah. i mean I love like vintage nightgowns and you know you don't wear those out but I will dress up in my house I will be like in full outfit like I have one where it has like the underdress and then mm-hmm. also has the robe Ooh. with like the big giant collar yeah but yeah you just wear I don't wear them like to sleep I just wear them around for yeah. a bit because it's fun and then you do you know put on your regular clothes and you do something else <laughs> You know, I think, though, that saying, like, oh, yeah, everyone does that might be incorrect. I think just the fact that we might do these dumb things <laughs> is not indicative of the populace at everyone large. Everyone has a flavor. Everyone yeah. has a flavor That's of true. that. You can't be the only one. Right. Can't, we can't be the only people who no. are just, like, dressing up. Yeah, like, you I'm going to put this witch nose on and go about my business. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to just, like, do regular things nose. in a witch nose. Yeah, <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. Um, but back to Beverly yeah. <laughs> Cleary. Um, I have not reread the Ramona books since okay. I was, you know, seven or eight or mm-hmm. however old you are when you read them. But the things that I remember very clearly, I believe it's in Ramona and her mother, although who knows? I mean, again, I read these yeah. literally 40 years ago, so I don't know. But when she um, squeezes out the entire tube of toothpaste into the sink. Yes. So the the uh, the concept of squeezing a whole tube of toothpaste out sounds very satisfying. And I, I am not above going to Dollar Tree and spending, it's actually a Dollar 25 tree yeah. now, but spending, getting the tube and squeezing, I've never done it. It just seems so naughty, you know? But the part that haunted me that I think about way too often, 40 years later, is that her mother made her put it in a baggie. She had to <laughs> dip her toothbrush into the baggie of toothpaste so they wouldn't it wouldn't be wasteful. It wasn't a waste. Yeah. I I know what you're talking about. I remember that part. And at the time it didn't seem like a weird thing. I guess because I wasn't a kid, I wasn't thinking like, oh, there's germs all over that sink. And she's dipping her used toothbrush into the bag. I was just like, yeah, that seems like <laughs> what we would have to do, I guess. If I did that, I'd have to do that same thing. Yeah, it's really weird. And I guess the Quimby's were not wealthy people, but right. it seems like they could have. And I understand, like, the the pe- punishment was more of, like, the we don't waste things. Yes. You know, this was a ridiculous thing for you to do. Maybe she only had to dip it for a week or so. It seems like just having to shove it into a bag would have been punishment enough. Yes. Like with your, I assume she used her fingers. I don't remember the mechanics. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't think. I don't remember. I just, what would you use? I guess a spoon, maybe. Yeah. Maybe a spatula. I mean, if I was a kid doing it, I would have just definitely just used my fingers. And it would have been a hot mess. Because I'm trying to think. Now I'm overthinking it. Yeah. And, like, it would get stuck to the bag. It would st- get stuck yes. on the bag. How it would you do it more than once? like icing. Yeah. 
You would have to, um, I don't think you could use a sandwich bag. I think you'd have to go for. You'd have to go big because you'd have little pockets from where you had put it in. Yes. Yes. I'm sure that when Beverly Cleary wrote that, it was just a solution to a problem. She didn't know that it would be haunting me for 40 years. Like, it's it's usually when, like, there's a big blob of toothpaste that pops out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to put this in a bag. (laughs) i got to go get a bag right now. (laughs) Dip my toothbrush in it so I don't waste. Well, I reread these books every few years. I love them. I mostly read her, like, children's work. Mm -hmm. I know you mostly read her, like, teenage, like, teeny bopper kind of thing. Yes. I don't know that I've read any of those. I think the closest, and I think Ellen Tebbets is still kind of kitty. So You know what, though? Ellen Tebbets, I I, I read it a long time ago, um, but I do remember that woolen underwear is a major plot point. Yes, in Ellen Tebbets. And here's the thing. I don't know what woolen underwear, I can't even fathom. I've, You know what? When I last read Ellen Tebbets, there was no Google. So I did not have a way to, what is woolen underwear? In my head, it's like long johns, but made of wool. Okay. Because in the books, which did not register to me when I was reading them, but it takes place in like the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Like it's in Oregon. Right. Um, I just was like, they live here where I live. This, these are my people. They, right. these I are just, my friends. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just, they live here. Um, and so I think, you know, I know it gets, this is obvious, but it gets much colder up there. Yeah. And so you have to layer. And so I think woolen underwear okay. is like literally woolen, like long underwear. Long, okay, that makes sense. Not just like woolen. Woolen underpants yes, is what I, I was think. imagining. Like that, that sounds so horrible. <laughs> Oh, itchy and awful. You know what? I think I'd rather dip my toothbrush in a baggie of toothpaste <laughs> than wear woolen underpants. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think it's just a long, like, leggings or, like, yes. a long shirt. Okay. I think. I, I did. I was looking at a list of her of her works, and I did read Ellen Tebbets. I didn't read those Henry and Ribsy or whatever those books were. Um but a, a few years ago, my son had to read The Mouse and the Motorcycle, mm-hmm. and it was the worst book either one of us has ever read. I don't remember it's that one. It's terrible. I haven't read I'm that sorry. one. I'm sorry. I love Beverly Cleary. I'll just steer, steer clear. You know, not everything can be a winner. You know? You know? I, my, my rage was that this book came out in 1954, and here we are in 2016. Has, has no book like is there no other option that's come out in the last 80 years or whatever i don't do math maybe people just assume that beverly cleary wrote it so it's going to be really good i mean i guess if i don't know there were some people there were just some concepts in it um that i had to keep explaining i I don't know i mean it wasn't like the mouse you know he knew what that was but there was i don't know there's like a hotel what's a a motorcycle (laughs) (laughs) um but when I was looking at um, the list, so first let me pause and say that um, in the 70s, um, pop culture was obsessed with the 50s. Um, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, um, those were new shows set in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And then um, reruns were also very big. So my favorite shows were... Um, you know, the Patty Duke show, actually, I think that's set in the 60s. Uh, Leave it to Beaver, Father's no- Knows Best, those kind of shows with these, um, you know, family um, problems, not really problems, but, um, you know, just they, they all were- inconveniences. Exactly. 
<laughs> misunderstandings, and then they would uh, figure it out. Um, but I don't know if it's just that, like, if you're, you know, if it's 1979 or 1980, all of the books in the library are about 10 years old. So all the books I read were set in the 50s. So I had this extremely warped um, view of what being a teenager was going to be like. Yeah. And because I was thinking, oh, on Father Knows Best, um, whatever the older daughter's name is, um, you know, she goes out with a, she has a date with a different boy every night of the week. And they're not, nothing is serious. It's yeah. just like some dude they're you just go get out, a, going to get ice cream. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that's what it was going to be. And then um, <clears throat> also in the uh, early 80s, there were all those scary teenage movies like Porky's. So, you have that, and then the '50s thing. I was absolutely mortified. You didn't know what to expect and what terrified was to become a teenager. But um, some of the books that uh, helped addle my brain about what teenager t- teenager times were going to be like. Um, Beverly Cleary wrote four books in the First Love series, and um, the first one is called Fifteen. I just re listened to it. Um, and it was delightful as ever. It's just about a girl named Jane. She babysits a lot. And she, one day she's like, oh, I wish I could meet a nice boy. And then she is um, babysitting and she's got dirt all over her because this, chi- this child is a, is a terror. And she's about to pour a bottle of ink onto the wall-to-wall carpet. And this voice says... Um, put that down but he says it in pig latin which i can't i have to write down pig latin i can't just like go with it and say the words anyway and it she has met a nice boy who drives the hand, the dog food truck i've read that one too yes. i forgot about that one yes i yes i love that book it's just they're all of her books are so like comforting I don't know. It's just... I mean, there are problems. There are problems, but everybody still, like, loves each other. I remember, I think the worst one where it wasn't homey feeling was Ramona and her father, where he, like, loses his job, and the family is having some financial problems, and he's smoking, and he's so sad, and it's a very real, like, depiction of what it's like Mm -hmm. when parents are not having good times, you know, for kids. And it was the only one where... It just felt kind of uncomfortable. And, of course, everything works out. But right. it was just so, you know, as a kid, it's hard when you your adult people have problems. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just, that was the only one where it wasn't just, like, cozy. Because all of these are, like, cozy. Like, their problems, right. they can talk of, you know, they're sitting on the couch talking over their problems with mm-hmm. their mom or whatever. And it's just great. So, yeah, I remember that. Sorry. You got no, off no. on a tangent. But no, that's that's. <clears throat> perfectly fine um but um 15 is good but it is not the best one in the series um there's one called the luckiest girl which i don't own and couldn't find a copy of mm-hmm. um i am 100 percent sure i read it uh, i just don't remember um there's also one sister of the bride it's okay but the one the number one and i've I, the number of times i've talked about it on this podcast over the years is um many gene and johnny Gene and Johnny, um, I'm here, you can't see this, but I am holding up my copy of Gene and Johnny that has a, a cat has chewed the, the corner of it, and this particular edition was published in 1982. So um, 
I'm nine years old, I'm reading this. This is forming my views of teenage times, <laughs> even though it was published originally in 1957. <laughs> so um, Jean and Johnny is about um, a girl named Jean who is really plain. She's kind of short. Her parents don't have a lot of money, so she has to make all of her clothes. And when she makes her plaid skirts, she never gets the plaid to match up, wow. you know? It's and tough. one night, it's the first night of Christmas vacation, and her mother, uh, no, her friend's mother is delivering some um, wreaths to the rec center or something. First, they make the wreaths, and they yeah. have their hands are all sticky from like pine stuff on them. And they go deliver them to the rec center, and there's a dance going on. And obviously, they're wearing their little saddle shoes. <laughs> clearly a staple for every teenager, right? That I thought I was going to have to buy some. Um, They, you know, everyone is dressed up. And of course, they're, you know, these two little plain people on the side just watching. Plain sappy girls. Yes, (laughs) with sticky hands. And this super dream boat named Johnny, they don't know what his name is yet. He comes over and asks Jean to dance with him. And she's like, do what now? She goes and dances. It's terrible. Yeah. She doesn't know how to dance. She steps oh. on his foot. But he's like, you know, very cheery about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and this this just, like, changes her life, basically, you know? And the next day, as she's polishing her saddle shoes. As you do. They have little black streaks on them from Johnny's shoes. So then school starts back. And um, her friend Elaine is like, take off your glasses, um, you, if you're, if you're going to see him again, you don't want, and she was like, but I can't, I can't see anything. So her friend really takes on the role. So this really speaks to me because her, her friend Elaine takes on the role of, um, they create a dossier about oh. this boy and she finds out what his name is, Johnny Chesler. <gasps> Um, she finds out what his, he drives a, uh, a light blue Chrysler with a white top and license number EKN729. This is speaking directly into my heart because <laughs> um, one thing that I did get right about teenage times was I was very, very good at having a crush. You know, like, hey, who's that boy? Never seen him before. Don't know anything. I know. I'm going to figure everything out without talking to him without ever. ever talking to him. That's because that is, that would be mortifying. What's more fun is to gather Intel. And so they figure out who it is. And he has this, um, little dopey friend named Homer. Anyway, Johnny kind of pretends to date Jean and he's always standing her up. And, you know, sometimes he does show up and they go, to uh like the drive-in and get a coke and then he drops her off and it's it's all very strange and then he asks her to a dance and then he cancels and she ends up going with homer and they have a wonderful time there's a part in here where um jean goes to find a dress for the dance and she's not the pink tool type yeah you know she knows and so she ends up buying this dress that i i should have marked this part in the book because it just it sounds so pretty it's it's um it's kind of like olive colored with like brown and green that kind of 
shimmers when she moves yeah. and you know you know that color just looks so good on some people and little jean little anyway she just wants to be pretty yes go to the dance but just something about like this super good looking guy is kind of teasing this mousy little girl yeah it is oh my gosh i just really love it it's you know it's my comfort read if i have the flu i'm not feeling too good got a stomach ache well i'm gonna read jean and johnny I thought Johnny was going to be the classic Beverly Cleary no. romance type. No. I am he frankly taken aback. He is a jerk. And he you can see this cover, but um, I guess listeners will have to trust me uh, or Google up the um, 1982 version. <laughs> There's some bold haircuts on that on that cover. Yes, but Johnny's is almost, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the frat kid, yeah. um, kind of longish hair. And um, years later, I was um, an instructor in the English department at Mississippi State. And I had this student um, one day, or one semester, and I just completely loathed him on sight. And I could not, I was like, what is it about this one kid I can't stand? You know what? He looks just like Johnny on the cover of this book. Ugh. You knew all about him from the beginning. I did. I was like, he's no good. (laughs) He probably (laughs) pretends to like little mousy girls with saddle shoes and he's never he's terrible but your mention of her glasses reminded me of a piece of sage advice from my great-grandmother which is boys don't make passes at girls who wear glasses and so I feel like that was probably some of the advice that Elaine was going off of because that's about the same time yes it really is she told my grandmother that who told my mother that who thankfully did not tell me that it she stopped the cycle of that horrible advice I I I have heard that I have heard that I I was able to wear contacts for most of my life but then I can't anymore but yes that is a deeply ingrained in me um but let me um transition really quickly so uh, when I was back to reading and look I didn't do a deep dive I read Wikipedia okay I'm 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 saying you know did you notice in her list of works that she wrote three books about Leave It to Beaver? I thought she wrote episodes because I also saw that. And I thought that meant that she wrote like for the show. I didn't know it was a bunch those, of books. <clears throat> those were three books based on – at first I thought, oh, my gosh, are these Beverly Cleary characters yeah. that they based the show on? But no, she wrote three books that are based on the show. Like fan fiction? Beverly kind of. Cleary wrote yes. fan fiction for Leave it to Beaver? Yes. So I uh, tried to find one. Yeah. Um, and I did buy one yesterday or day before. Um, there's a Kindle version that's two ninety nine. I figured $3 is enough to explore. That's you a know. good bet. You know, that's if it sucks, it's only, you're only out $3. And listen to this. It does not suck at all. It is it is it is the the warm friendly style yes. of Beverly Cleary that you already love with characters you already know. It it is uh, it, I I I I don't know I'm about a third of the way through it. I was reading it yesterday and it's I don't know if these are based on actual episodes. Yeah. I um I am a big fan of Leave It to Beaver, but I don't have all of the things memorized obviously. Um, but you know, Wally's working at a carnival and he's got to leave early and Beaver's like, Oh, I'll stay and get your money from the man. And the man's like, what? I owe that kid, that kid $10 here, kid have this horse instead. And Beaver's like, 
oh my gosh, that's so much better than $10. And he puts it in the garage, and it's an old horse who lays down and takes a nap. And oh they, the neighbors call and say, you have a dead horse in your yeah. garage. Anyway, the scra- you know, the scrapes, they uh, they happen and then they are resolved. Um, but, well, but yeah, I was so excited. I am delighted to know that that's an actual book because I just thought it was episodes like maybe she was a consulting writer or something because to like those two like her books and that show are one in the same like the whole feel and vibe like it's it's yeah so I just thought that she maybe helped write some some of the plot or something yeah I I think they were just like how do we uh, monetize further our our hit show yeah you know oh I, I know I never sat down and like watched it, but mm-hmm. there was a TV channel back when we had cable when I was a kid, and it would always play like old shows, like I Love Lucy, which mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I love so much. Leave It to Beaver, all those like black and white family yeah. shows, yeah. where yeah, that all had the same kind of vibe. Like everyone's great, everyone's doing really well, but there was all of these silly things that happen, and we just have to get over it. You know, we have to find our way through the big giant bread loaf in the kitchen, like that one episode of I Love Lucy where she tries to make bread. Oh yeah, and it like shoves out of the um, oven. And isn't the plot of like every other episode Lucy trying to get into Ricky's show? Yeah, like yeah. She's a star. She knows she has the confidence. She knows she's a star. She does. He just won't let her come in there. And uh, I just love that show. Like, the episode, like, everything is just so tame. Mm -hmm. You know, the problems are so small. Like, when, you know, they couldn't say the word pregnant on TV or whatever. And so she goes to his club, and there's a song that he sings whenever somebody in the audience is pregnant. And he is going around. That's kind of a weird it's thing. Like, I know. Like, oh, I saw a prego. <laughs> Gotta sing my song. It's like a way to, like, announce it. And so he goes. That, is, that is it's a, like a lullaby. That's the weirdest thing I've ever <laughs> Isn't heard. Isn't it weird? Oh, you know what? I need to announce my pregnancy <laughs> to my friends. I'll invite them to the Copacabana or yes. whatever. The, that, that's not what it was called. What was his? I don't remember what it called. was called. Um, and then I'll ha- I'll I'll slip a note to Ricky, <laughs> and he'll play. And that's a, how I'll tell everyone a lullaby. And so he's go. So she's seated by herself at the table, and he's going to all these tables, and he's you know doing his very confused face, like, "Oh, are you not?" Huh? And then he moves on, and finally, it's just her sitting at the table, oh. and she's like, she nods. So very someone serenely. has told him that someone is pregnant. Someone is pregnant. He okay. doesn't know who, and that's how they like announce it. And then, of course, they never say that she's pregnant or whatever because right. you couldn't say that on television. That is but very scandalous. It was. Uh, I don't even know what brought me to that story, but I guess just that show and like Leave It to Beaver right. and these books all have the same feel. They do. And they like tickle that certain part of your brain yes. where it's just like homey. You really should have been alive in the 70s. Alex. I, you I really, really missed out. I love the, the 50s clothes. Stuff. I, I love, <laughs> I don't love, my sister loves the like brown and orange oh, vibe. Yeah. No, I just meant the, the throwback to the oh, 50s okay. that was happening yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of vintage clothes that are like 70s or 80s, those 50s. So you can still get, you know, not authentic 50s clothing, but a lot of the vintage clothes that I find, Mm -hmm. because I love to thrift and all that good stuff, are from back then, because they had a huge resurgence. Um, Yeah, it was some kind of weird national, you know. Y'all just decided. We were like, 70s, you know what, reality, (laughs) not great. Remember 20 years ago when things were really good? I don't know. 
they just had forgotten all the bad stuff. So it yes. just, and to be fair, the 50s advertised themselves as like a really cool place. You know, right. everything looked beautiful. The commercials for all the stuff, everything was like top of the line. You know, every, there were so many innovations. You could take parts of your refrigerator out and all this sort of stuff. And they made themselves look really great. There was lots of bad stuff happening, but. Right. And, uh, and the thing look. that, um, you know, all these shows have in common, with the exception of um, Ricky Ricardo and all of these books, these are all real white. Yes. This is the whitest. Let's just acknowledge that yes. um, Beverly Cleary books have uh, 0% people of color. Yep. Uh, the shows that we were talking about, except for for Ricky, um, no, no, there is no diversity there. It is very white. Yeah. It is, uh, and, and that's not a bad thing. It's just what it's it just is. It's the thing that, um, that's at the time. Yeah. You know, that's what happened. And I'm sure this reflects Beverly Cleary's experience. Yes, totally. Or where she lived. But yeah, it is definitely very white. Yeah. Um, are there any other uh, Beverly Cleary tidbits or books you want to? So I love the old illustrations. Oh, yes. I love them. I was looking today at her website. I do not like the new illustrations. Not one bit. They are not the same. They are not good. I'm sure they're great for, like, if you haven't read them before. But they are not my experience. And so I (laughs) am just not a fan. But one thing I did like was she had a map of the neighborhood mm-hmm. where like you know oh, all because yes. all her kids books take place in the same spot and right. i am bad at maps in general and like bad at thinking of where stuff is so it was really cool to see how she had it in her mind mm-hmm. and like see the neighborhood and where everything was it's not at all where i would have thought it would be i don't know i guess i i didn't have a map where i was like this is where ramona lives and this is where the ice house is and this is where the church is but i love the old um illustrations and one in particular it i think about it every day i'm gonna say oh i think about it pretty often but (laughs) there's a part and i think it's pizza and ramona and ramona is very she's a young kid and she's very cranky and her mother is like where's my merry sunshine and ramona goes i have two a merry sunshine and she stomps off and she has this face it's the most like crinkly pouty illustration of a child's face i love it so much i oh it's just so good you everybody should look it up and i am to a merry sunshine it's just the the feeling behind it and just the drama i connect very strongly with it just i just i think about that all the time i love it anytime i get very like angry or have big feelings, mm-hmm. that's what I think back on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it kind of takes the sting out of it because I'm like, she was being silly. But it's just the illustration is so good. It's just perfect. It's just perfect for her feelings yeah. in that moment. And, and her, I just and love her it. face, and I, her if face. I recall the picture correctly, um, you know, first of all, when someone says that you're away a certain way, yeah. you want to say, no, I'm not. Yes. And so when you are being a pill and to, to protest that, no, yeah. I am too a Mary Sunshine, <laughs> with the face that Ramon is making is um, is pretty perfect. It's so good. It's so good. I just had to, I had to bring up my Mary Sunshine because I yeah. do, it's my fa- one of my favorite things ever. I would wear a t-shirt. I thought about getting a tattoo. I just love it. <laughs> I want you to get a Ramona tattoo. Look, I want it right here. It says, I am to a Mary Sunshine. It'll have her face. That, I think it would be great. Listen, I, I 
I'm all for it. I'm really all for it. Well, um, I know what I'm going to do after this podcast is find a copy. Is Ramona the Pest? Is that the first one? Um, I don't think so. I think the first one in this line is Beezus and Ramona because it starts off with Ramona being really small. And so it focuses on Beatrice or Beezus. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on. So Beezus and Ramona is the first one. Okay. And then I don't I think. Let me see. Let me look on the back. You know, of this. do you know why I thought Ramona the Pest was the first one? Because that's the first one I read. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, the one I randomly well, of picked uh, off the shelf as a child is, has to be the first in the series. Yeah. As things didn't, don't exist without you knowing I mean, you, really, you can read them in any order. Yes. I don't think I had read them in order until I was an adult. I just read whatever one I saw at the library or at Goodwill or whatever, whichever mm-hmm. one I picked up. So I am really not sure. And I, did, I think I had missed some of the ones where she's older. There like, were a lot. There were a lot books. of them. Yeah. So, yeah, I would start with Beezus and Ramona or Ramona and Beezus and whichever one. So I'm going to have to check out some of her teeny bopper books because I listen, love 15. Listen to 15 or listen to Gina John. Okay. Okay. So I would loan you my copy. I don't. Except I blotted my lipstick halfway through <laughs> and it's kind of gross looking. Um I mean, I'm going to show you now. <laughs> That's some vintage. Oh, wait. I did it again. <laughs> um, I did it three times. Okay. So, you know, um, you, you'd probably want to read a version that doesn't I'll find, have I'll find one. the I'll find 1989 one. lipstick markings in it. So, well, thanks for talking about Beverly Cleary with me today. Yeah. I'm glad we got around to it. Yeah. I'm a little late. We but purposefully got, you know, we waited yeah, an appropriate it amount was, of time. Honestly, it was out of respect. Yes, it was. It was not because we forgot at all. Mm-mm. Contrary to what I said at the Mm-mm. beginning of this episode. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.